trigger warning. This case discusses violence, and it discusses graphic details of a case in which a child was harmed. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time it is when this hits your ears. I'm your host, Catherine, psychic medium, self-worth coach, and true crime addict. Before I get started, I want to tell you about a free three-day Manifesting Abundance Masterclass I have coming up September 12th through the 14th. Learn to better understand how to get in the right headspace to manifest a life that you desire rather than more of what you're already sick of. The link is in the show notes as well as on Instagram, and if you're signed up for it, you will receive the replay in your email. You don't even have to be on the live. If this is your first time listening to Murder and Mediumship, or if you're a regular listener, I'd love to invite you to leave a rating and review on iTunes so that each victim's story can be heard by more listeners. And number two, I would like to say that anything you hear on the show will have source materials linked in show notes. My feelings on each case are based on intuitive hits and downloads, and everyone is innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. And now we move to the case of Kendrick Lamar Johnson and his accidental death. In the end, we will remember not the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. There's a lot going on in this world that is attacking the rights of many. Sharing the voices of those whose voices have been taken away is the number one reason I have for starting this podcast for doing the work that I do with women to empower them to stand up for themselves so that we may inspire others to do the same. Remember when listening, there is injustice being done in the way that these cases are handled and they are featured for that very reason. Never think that you are one person, so how can you even help? The ripple effect is far-reaching and one person's reach is so greater than you would think. Do your part. In the end, we will remember not the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. Kendrick Johnson was a 17-year-old star athlete at Lowndes County High School. He was an incredibly talented basketball player and dreamt of being a professional football player. Kendrick's name is fairly well known not only in the true crime community, but in the fight for equal rights. This is Kendrick's death story. Not his story, but only how he died. It does not define how he lived. And this case was brought to the headlines again in the later, in the later, like 2017, 2018, with the death of Breonna Taylor, with the death of George Floyd, when these, when we were seeing this just onslaught of Black Americans being killed by law enforcement, being killed at the hands of white people, being killed because they were black. It started a conversation about white privilege that needs to be had more. It needs to be understood what it means to be black and go missing in this country versus what it means to be white and go missing or murdered or or have any kind of injustice done against you and the sincerity or lack thereof that their cases are handled. It is so important that you listen to this case and think, How would this have been handled differently if it were a white kid found rolled up in that gym mat? I really want you to ask yourself that because you know in your heart of hearts how different this would be. It is 2021. 
and we are not seeing equality in this country. And while the rights of many are being taken away, it is crucial that we ask ourselves how we can help. And even recognizing that there is a difference in the way that we are treated is a start. So I ask you to listen to this with an open heart and an open mind and the query of how can you help. Again, on January 10th, 2013, Kendrick Lamar Johnson didn't come home from school. He was supposed to be going to a basketball game after class that day, and his mother wasn't expecting him home until later in the day for sure, but by 10 p.m. and he still wasn't home, she began to worry. So she drove up to the school and drove around the school a couple of times, and his mother, Jacqueline Johnson, she was actually a school bus driver for Lowndes County High School. But when they didn't find him, a little after midnight, they filed the missing persons report with the police around midnight on the 11th. And you can imagine that police were hesitant to accept a missing persons report because, you know, kids run away all the time, which is infuriating. And if you listened to last week's episode, you would know just how I feel about the runaway label. But regardless, Kendrick hadn't actually even shown up for his third or fourth period classes on the 10th. I'm not sure if the school doesn't notify parents when kids don't show up, but I feel like they should. If I wasn't in class when I was 17 years old and I didn't have a note to excuse my presence, for sure my parents would have been called. There's no doubt in my mind they would have been called. They called on my brother all the time. All the time. Maybe it was because I was in a small school, but I really feel like this should be common practice. If someone doesn't show up for class, it should be reported and someone should be called. If you have heard this story, then you already know the general outline of what happens. Kendrick's mother is at the school in the guidance counselor's office in the morning of the 11th, trying to get answers or to figure out if anyone has seen to, if anyone has seen Kendrick. I know I said that the parents filed a missing persons report with the police, but as you know, they're not taking it seriously at all. They told the Johnsons that Kendrick was probably out being a teenager, chasing some girl, hanging out with friends, and didn't come home. And I'm not sure if this was something he was known for or not, but I'm inferring from the stories that are out there about him that this isn't typical of him at all. While Jacqueline was sitting in the office, she overheard a phone call about a body being found in the gym. The story goes that a student saw two white socks sticking up out of a gym mat that was standing up vertically, though they were usually laying down. Following the Christmas break that had just ended, the students came back to the gym to see basically all of the gym mats standing up when about half and half were typically vertical and horizontal. At first, she thought that this was a joke, these socks hanging out of the mat, or a prank that the other student was playing, but she quickly realized that something was wrong, called over a few more friends, and then they called over the coach who, in a panic, was able to lower the gym mat to its side and tried to pull the student from the mat. And I guess these mats are really, really heavy. Well, once they realized that the student was deceased, the police were called, the school was put into lockdown, and it was Kendrick who was identified in the mat. See these wrestling mats, gym mats, whatever you choose to call them. 
They were where a lot of students stored their shoes, gym clothes, whatever, because they didn't want to pay for a locker. At Lowndes High School, you had to pay a fee for a gym locker, which is weird to me, but again, from a small town, so maybe it's not uncommon for bigger schools. I don't know. Kendrick was sharing a pair of these shoes with another student, and they would have stored them back and forth in the same rolled-up gym mat in the old gym so that they could easily find them. The school had two gyms, and one was aptly named the old gym, and then the new one named the new gym. So in this old gym where a lot of students would hide their shoes and that sort of thing, they typically threw them into a horizontal mat. So the theory is that over Christmas break, Kendrick's shoes were lost kind of in one of the gym mats that was turned vertically. The police arrived on scene and neglected to call the coroner right away. It was five hours before the coroner would show up, and Georgia law dictates that the coroner is called right away. You will find sources that say that this was a professional courtesy so that police could do their investigation without having to force the coroner to wait around for hours, and you will find opinions that contradict this. Regardless, the law states that the coroner is called immediately, and he was not. The coroner actually went on record saying that the police department had broken protocol and that this was unacceptable. He in fact even mentioned how the scene had been disturbed and he couldn't get an accurate idea of what had even happened to Kendrick's body because of the way that it had been clearly moved. Second, Kendrick was 5 foot 10, found vertically in a 6 foot gym mat, seemingly reaching for his sneaker. The sneakers that he was wearing to school that day were shoved in behind his knees, not haphazardly kicked off as if you were struggling to get out of the mat as they would lead you to believe, but placed there neatly which you can see in pictures. He was found with his legs tangled together, not straight as if he dove in. His death was very quickly ruled an accident and due to positional asphyxia, which is basically when your position that you're in prevents you from breathing until you essentially suffocate to death. So they're saying that the way that his abdominal cavity was squished, he couldn't really get any air in. And because his shoulders were probably folded up to be able to squeeze into the mat to reach, he had further constricted his airway, which would have led to him suffocating to death fairly quickly with very little air in the mat to begin with. And this theory, from what I also understand, um, a lot of a lot of the time positional asphyxia is is used as the label for cause of death when there's nothing else that they can really identify. There's nothing that could have really shown that. It was more that the coroner had evidently received information from students saying that they typically would have to reach in to get their shoes, but no one would climb in like that. But their understanding was that students went in there all the time to get their shoes. I think it was typically horizontal, but regardless from what I understand, this coroner kind of made the determination based on what other students described around their habits in the school. So he was found with his legs tangled together, not straight as if he dove in, and his death was ruled as positional asphyxia. The blood found in the gym, both on a wall and in the girl's bathroom, was determined to be old and was tested against Kendrick's, but not against anyone else, and it wasn't preserved either. The blood that was on the wall was really close by to the gym mats too. There was also a sweatshirt and another pair of shoes that were found in the gym, and neither one of those things were backed as evidence either. 
His science book and yellow folder were also nearby in the gym, and it is believed that the investigators so quickly assumed that this was an accident or declared it to be that nothing was preserved and the scene was not treated like a crime scene, but as one of an accidental death. No one wore like the proper gear, like the booties, the right gloves, like stuff like that. Evidence wasn't taken. He was moved before photos were taken. The whole thing was botched. It truly, truly was botched from the very, very beginning. So whether they went in there with the intention of covering it up for someone else or whether they kind of just messed it up from the beginning, you can decide that for yourself. The shoe that Kendrick was reaching for was found in a pool of blood beneath Kendrick's head as if he were reaching for it while in the rolled up mat. But the shoe itself had no blood on it as if it had been placed in the dried blood. If the blood were dripping from his eyes and from his facial orifices and he were reaching for the shoe, why wouldn't there be blood on the shoe? This alone makes zero sense whatsoever, but I digress. There are also pictures of this that you can find online. Most of the pictures have been made public by Kendrick's family. The initial coroner's report listed no information about the abrasions on Kendrick's fingers that were fresh and showed no signs of healing and that they appeared as defensive abrasions or scratches on his fingers. That was found on the second report, after his parents had Kendrick's body exhumed, and it was found that all of his internal organs were removed from his body, and his body was stuffed with newspaper. The organs that the coroner insists he had placed in a bag to be placed back into his body were not in his body. His clothing that was signed for receipt at the coroner's office was also gone. Poof. Disappeared. His parents didn't receive those, and they are not in any evidence boxes anywhere. Yes, you can find it on the internet that the practice of using newspaper was not uncommon as a very, very old practice, but we're talking like the 60s and 70s, not 2013. But that was something funeral homes didn't do anymore, right? And and even when this was done, the organs should have still been placed within the body in a bag, not thrown out. Here's the thing, though. There are a lot of resources out there to consume about this case, and there are a lot of differing opinions. What bothers me is that these parents were painted as grieving parents who just couldn't accept the death of their child being an actual accident and swore that it had to be a cover-up. They're just crazy in their grief, and I don't feel that way. Kendrick's father went to identify his body, though it had already been identified. He wanted to see it for himself at the coroner's office. And when the coroner pulled the drawer open, Kendrick's father shared that it felt as if the drawer was warm, like they weren't trying to preserve his body at all, and that the the cooling um, feature had actually been turned off, and it felt like it was being heated practically in there. And he feels that it was in an effort to let evidence further disintegrate. Hours of surveillance footage disappeared, but we are told over and over again that the system glitched or that it was choppy footage to begin with, that the times on the cameras weren't even accurate, but the same amount of time was missing from each of the security cameras that were missing footage. Four of these have the same chunks of time missing. Why? And how could it be that the only time missing is the time that's crucial to catching anything in or around the gym where he was found? We all see Kendrick going into the gym and then never leaving. Why are there two hours of missing tape there? Not seconds or minutes, hours. And the same amount of time off of each, it just, it blows my mind. 
Well, the second autopsy was performed in June of 2013, when his parents had his body exhumed for the first time. This autopsy showed unapparent blunt force trauma. The third autopsy and the final autopsy, these two autopsies, when the body was exhumed, they showed um, differences from the autopsy report of the GBI, the Georgia Bureau of Investigation. That had stated, if you remember, his death was due to positional asphyxia. These autopsies showed that there was blunt force trauma involved in possible hemorrhaging. And the third one, they were able to actually discover an area between the neck and abdomen known as the thorax on his right side also had bruising. He had clearly received like a blow to his side or something like that. And both of these areas showed possible hemorrhage. And it is this doctor that can be found on the recent documentary, Finding Kendrick Johnson on Amazon Prime. Highly recommend watching it. He goes into detail as to why it cannot possibly be positional asphyxia. And I do highly recommend this documentary. It not only goes into the death investigation of Kendrick, but into important monumental moments in Black history where Black Americans were silenced in their suffering and punished only for being Black and are not so far off history. Kendrick was a very, very good athlete. I mean, he was a star football, basketball, and track player. It doesn't make any sense to me if this teacher could lower the mat, why he wouldn't have just lowered the mat to get his shoe either. That doesn't add up to me, not even a little bit. So we're going to pause here for a moment. We're going to switch it up for just a second. If you've been following me long enough to remember when I was posting content on YouTube, interviewing serial killers like Ted Bundy, Charles Manson, and Eileen Warnos, to name a few, then you also know that I put a pin in that for a bit. Well, murder and mediumship fans, guess what's coming to Patreon? Instead of doing monthly interviews with episode victims, I will be bringing back killer interviews as well as interviews with celebrities on the other side. During our last Patreon-exclusive interview, I put it to the fans, who should we interview first? And the list that they came up with is incredible. So I'll be posting that in the Patreon feed so everyone can vote, but only patrons will be able to catch the live interview. So head to patreon.com slash Intuitive to get in on this magic. I'm talking names on the list like Jeffrey Epstein, The Black Dahlia, We are going to talk to so many people in Hollywood with controversial deaths, and I am so excited for it. So back to Kendrick Johnson. In March of 2021, Kendrick's parents were successful in getting the Supreme Court to reopen his case. And with that reopening, 17 new boxes of evidence were introduced. And I just want to rewind a minute. His parents were so just heroic in the way they have come to preserve his name and to really find out exactly what happened to him. They have been relentless in their pursuit of the truth. And they went so far as to stand in front of the courthouse doors, refusing to let anyone in. They were arrested. They stood in peaceful protest. They have, they are known now for the the phrase, no justice, no peace. It is incredible the lengths that they have gone to find out what happened to their son and to bring him justice. It's really, it's such a beautiful thing to witness parents doing for their child. It really, really is. So the theories behind his death, this is what I want to break down. The first theory 
he suffocated to death from positional asphyxia. This was shown by the coroner on the documentary to be not possible. I won't go into the science of it because I frankly just don't want to. Um, Go watch that documentary. I'm telling you, it is so valuable. It's so well done. And there's so much history to learn about this country that I guarantee you did not learn in school in this documentary. I do not believe though, based on my intuition either, that this is how Kendrick died. I don't think it's the sole cause of his death. I think there were multiple contributing factors here. There's also a theory about two brothers. It's been speculated that two brothers whose father is an FBI agent kind of had it out for Kendrick, and they were accused by the Johnsons of killing their son, Kendrick. I do not feel this is 100% accurate. I think that one of the brothers was involved and that the other was definitely not. I think he probably knows of his brother's involvement, but I don't believe that he did at first. I do, however, believe that this case is a homicide. I think I've made that very clear by now. I believe that Kendrick was caught by surprise and it doesn't even feel like an insanely brutal attack. It feels like a quick, like one, two. And then like what I'm seeing is him being like bloodied and they basically like two boys kind of strong arm him into like pushing him into this, um, into the mat. Uh, I will also say that I believe that one of these brothers is involved. I know I just said that, but I don't think that they're both white. I feel like this attack wasn't, okay, the white kid, it was racially motivated for sure. But I feel like it was kind of like, it was jealousy or needing to prove a point or or like a disagreement that got way, way, way over, overdone, over-exaggerated, over whatever the word is that I'm looking for. It just went on for too long and it went too far. And I could be wrong, but I feel that Kendrick was a threat to one of these boys and that the other was there to help teach him a lesson. I feel that the murder, that murder was the intent with the one boy, but it wasn't the intent of both. I feel that he wasn't killed necessarily by like the two quick blows, but I do feel that when they pushed him into the mat that he did ultimately die there. I don't think he was deceased when they put him in there. I do think that there is a school official who does know what happened. And I do believe also that um, Kendrick was struck with an object that is either similar to a baseball bat or is a baseball bat because as a psychic, a lot of the times we see things that it, they could be similar, but we're trying to like draw the connection with our conscious knowledge, knowledge with also what we're getting intuitively. So I believe he was actively trying to protect himself. And that's what the blood all over his arm and the scratches and abrasions are evidence of. But the first strike to his right thorax was caught by surprise. And then he was hit in the face. I feel like he was hit in the side with an object and then kicked in the face. Um, I believe that they stuffed him in there. I don't think they really even knew what was going to happen. I don't think they could comprehend it or wrap their minds around it. But I feel like the one child, because that's what he was, knew that this was going to be like it for Kendrick. Whether he really understood the gravity of that or not, I don't know, but I do think that that was his intention. So 
This case was moved to Ohio and investigators were pulled from it because people in high places were exchanging favors. And a lot of people online are talking about cover-ups can't be that intricate over something like this. Like one FBI agent's son, how could like something, how are all of these people involved? But I don't think it's that all of these people are involved in a cover-up. I think it's more that think about the police did a really shitty job, right? They didn't do a very good job with the investigation. And I think what happened is that they are covering their tracks and eliminating evidence so that if anything were to come back on them, there's no evidence to prove that anything was wrong. So they can't get in trouble. They're not in trouble. It's not their fault. They were doing their job, whatever, even though they didn't do a very good job, yada, 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 with the boy who was involved, whose father is an FBI agent. That is where I feel that he is the one who kind of called in a favor. So the police were, yes, covering things up, but then so was this guy. So you have two separate cover-ups going on, and it really only takes one man requesting a favor from a few others. Like, say, say the FBI agent had some crazy information over the coroner or over one of the police chiefs or something like that. It's not so crazy that having that over one person, then that guy asks for a favor from the other one. And then it gets into this just like free fall where it becomes that cover up, but it wasn't that they had to go and cover their bases with all of these people. It's more like one head nod creates like a domino effect. I don't think that's so crazy. So As far as I'm concerned, Kendrick Johnson was murdered plain and simple. I would venture to say he was dead before fourth period that prior day and that an adult in the school system did know what happened. I do feel that his case will be ruled a homicide, but I do not believe that all of those who are responsible will be held as such. I think that the evidence that has been destroyed will prohibit anything from being proven beyond a reasonable doubt. And I feel that the cover-up will continue on both sides, and that the killer, killers really, have been kind of saved by this, by the police force doing a crappy job, having to cover their own bus, which in turn covered the asses of these kids, and then this kid's father covering his ass because that's just what he does. So someone will ultimately go down for it, but not in the way that we desire them to. It almost feels like something where they get like a slap on the wrist or they go to court over it. Their name is dragged through the mud, but they they can't prove it. Like I feel like they go down as being known as the person who probably did it, not so much that they'll be actually punished for it. So people know what happened. And unfortunately, too much of it is labeled as hearsay. So anyone in a position of authority who speaks out is labeled as a liar. And you've already seen that happen, like with the attorney who brought it, um, had it reopened as a federal case, and then he ended up resigning weeks later. So look, my episodes are made to really be no longer than about a half an hour. And there is so much more on this case to talk about. The way it was moved to Ohio, we could go into so much detail. The U.S. attorney, I just mentioned, Michael Moore, who opened the case for federal review in 2013, resigned from the case, leaving it to federal attorneys in Ohio. That can be the cover-up from the dad. Absolutely. The coroner who called it a homicide was called a liar and his integrity was called into question. And if you are in a position of authority or power and you dispute his death being anything other than an accident, 
or you agree that something is being covered up, then you are made to be no one. Your voice is silenced and it's over. You, Your integrity is questioned. Your intelligence is questioned. Everything is called into question. So if one of these boys truly was involved, do you really have any question over the length the parent will go to protect their child? Aren't we seeing the length that a parent will go to protect their child even after death? I understand why someone would go that far to protect their son and make sure everything was going to be okay for him. And I I think that that's part of what we're seeing here. But like I said, it's only a part. And more importantly, Kendrick Johnson has died without justice. And I do feel that this case is going to be a landmark case over time. So. Kendrick Johnson was born on October 10th, 1995, and was murdered on January 10th, 2013. No justice, no peace.